This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Good morning, good afternoon. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We want to hear from you. We want to talk about your pets. So a couple of ways to get a hold of us. Number 1-877-385-8882. That is the toll-free number, but we would more prefer more that you call us, uh, join us, I should say, here on Zoom. To do so, you go on to PetLifeRadio.com on your tablets or your laptops or whatever you got. And you click on shows, go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there'll be a link, a Zoom link left for you there. You can scroll down to it, click on it, and you will join us right here live, uh, hopefully with your pets. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, have you join us. Weirdos, please stay away. We've had some interesting, sad people that have thought they would be cute to join us. Not funny. It takes up time. So anyway, real legitimate stuff. We want to hear from you. We want to see you. It's telemedicine. Think of it that way. Think of, and that's the way, I mean, for a lot of you, you don't get a chance to see your vet anyway. Even if when you go there, if, if you can get an appointment within three weeks, and then you get to sit in the car. So uh, no, it's, uh, this is the best way to do it. And live, live action, you're here with us, with your pet. Talk to me, pick my brain, whatever, and uh, get used to it because it's uh, it's the new wave is telemedicine. Anyway, as you know, I like to you know, peruse the news, what's going on in the industry. And um, so there are a number of good things uh, going on, actually. And I, I like this one that, uh, again, as a Frenchie parent, and uh, I see, I don't know, 300 plus Frenchies in my practice, this was near and dear to me because it was about a French bulldog, but CSU, Colorado State University Veterinary School, they're working on a new minimally invasive procedure for herniated discs. And Frenchies are notorious for their herniated discs, as are a number of breeds like Dobson's. Any of those short, long dogs, the Lhasa's and Shih Tzu's can get them as well. Peaks can get them. So anyway, it didn't really say exactly what this minimally invasive surgery was. I would imagine it's some sort of percutaneous way using a, a probe or an ultrasound to get into the disc space and maybe suck out the, the herniated disc. All I know, it uh, is showing a lot of promise, so much so that you think of using it for people too. So that's more to come. And there's another thing we're going to talk about in a minute about osteosarcoma and a new treatment, and they're thinking of that as well. So of course, there are more stories about safety during cold weather. You can't say it enough. And it hits the basics. And we've talked about it before, but you know, just they wouldn't be reporting on it uh, you know, often, frequently, if it wasn't important. So clearly, with what's going on in some parts of the country, in fact, I was talking to somebody on AirVet, my telemedicine platform last night from Portland, and the dog actually had the, the feet were, were raw on the inside because of the de-icing of chemicals they put on the, I said, de-icing in Portland, you're getting snow. They go, we get some snow like once every four or five years and they got snow. So, and I'm heading Friday, I'm going to Park City, Utah to get my snowboarding in and uh, they just got eight inches. So there are parts of the country that we, and Midwest is very cold. So uh, anyway, so I'll throw these few things out there. Be careful of antifreeze ingestion. Antifreeze that obviously has some merit because it, you can use your cars when you have antifreeze in the radiator. So the car, everything doesn't freeze over. However, it is an ethylene glycol, which has a sweet taste to it. And dogs seem to like it. It is highly toxic. So if they lick it, even if they lick a residue from a driveway, 
that's toxic. So you got to be very, very careful. Of course, as with this uh, client I just talked to in Portland, Oregon, irritated paws, either from ice itself or from the de-icing chemicals that a lot of municipalities put on sidewalks and roads, that too is very irritating. Hypothermia in general, just freezing. You got to remember, it's not just the temperature, it's the outdoor temperature, it's the wind chill. You got a place like Chicago that has, you know, minus five and wind chill gets down to minus 15. If it's too cold for you, it's probably too cold for your dog. Now, yes, they have their built-in fur coat. And if it's healthy, it will help. It does a better job. And certainly with the Arctic breeds, the Samoyeds, the Huskies, the Malamutes, they can do very, very well in that cold weather. And they do, but they have to be moving. So if you're not going to have an area for them to jump and run around, at least give them shelter. They have access to someplace where they can at least hide from the wind. And the water that you leave out for them, make sure that you use some device. There are heated water bowls or all sorts of things that doesn't let the water freeze because a dog cannot rehydrate itself on ice. It just can't happen. And of course, I mention it all the time, the poor kitties and the engine block in the car. They need warmth. Outdoor cats, they get very cold. They find warmth on the under the hood of a car, sitting on top of the warming engine block. They're falling asleep. And then the next morning, you come out to your car, start your engine, and that is horrendous sound. You never want to hear it. So I always recommend if you park on a street or in a driveway, and there are outdoor cats in your area, just as you're walking in your car to start it up, give a bong on the, on the hood just to wake up the cat and let them uh, take off. Anyway, speaking of cats, speaking of cats, this is interesting. Cats that were fed a meat-rich diet had a 36% less likely to bring home wild prey. So if you live in an area and your cats, look, cats are natural hunters and they're always looking for, you know, they bring you presents. They're proud of it. You all of a sudden, you see that rodent on your kitchen floor. Thank you for the cat. So 36% less likely. And even just getting your playing with your cat, getting them to move around, more exercise will also give it a 25% chance less likely to bring home wild prey, rodent prey. So apparently the cat behavior is saying that meat and play can satisfy a cat's natural instinct to hunt. Meat and play. Now for us, when we eat a lot of meat, we have no energy to play. We want to sit down on that couch and fall asleep. But uh, cats, it does reduce that desire to want to hunt because they just got their meat. When they play, they you got their exercise in. So they don't have to run around and chase after to hunt because, A, now they're satisfied. And because they already played, they're pretty good. Leave me alone. I'm okay. Uh, now the cat becomes a couch potato. So, oh, this is also, speaking of play, this was not the way all these stories came in. We're not meant to fall into such perfect alignment. But uh, we went from the cats on the hood to cats. Now the play, we now got another thing to play. Dogs. Do you realize that, first of all, when you think about what these experts are studying, it's kind of mind-boggling because who would think of studying this? But whoever this researcher was that found out that dogs have more of a likelihood to play with other dogs in the presence of their owners. When there's an attentive owner, they are more likely to play. And what they do is they took these similar dogs, similar situations, and they had the owner either leave or bring a book and, and just not paying attention at all to the dog, were less likely to play. So what they deduce from this is that dogs seem to like to, in a sense, show off to their owners to please them. And they know that when they're, you, they take you, you know, you take your dog to the dog park, you want to know you did the right thing, right? You want to feel good that your dog enjoyed it. Well, so that dog is playing for you. 
not not for you to have to have a good time. It's okay, Dad. I want you just so you feel good about bringing me here. I'm gonna play. But if you if you go, if you go there and bring a book or leave them there, drop them off and leave, and you just watch them, they're not gonna play as much. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny. More about COVID. Of course, we have to have more about COVID. A cougar and a tiger in a wildlife park in Texas basically tested positive for COVID. And of course, as we know, they didn't get it. They had to get it from somewhere. And they felt it was either an employee or a volunteer. And of course, they're doing well. And of course, they didn't pass it on to anybody else. Because as we know, and there's another COVID story here too. We've talked about microchips before. And I'm going to talk about microchips again. Because when I hear see a story like this, it, it just reiterates the importance of making sure that your pets are microchipped. Here it is. A cat was missing for four years and was found over 600 miles away from where it was lost. Now, do you think it covered 600 miles by itself? I don't think so, but maybe, who knows? I think it was picked up somehow. And all I know, it started in Arkansas in a place called Springdale, Arkansas, and ended up in Bay City, Texas. And some guy was feeding the cat and he wanted to, he decided he was thinking of keeping the cat. He brought it to the vet for a checkup. Vet scans the cat, has a microchip, contact the owner. Four years. Can you imagine? Well, first of all, how upset the owners probably were by losing the cat in the first place. And can you imagine that phone call? four years later saying, hi, Mr. Smith, guess what? We found Felix kind of thing. So uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, this next story. First of all, I read it and I started laughing. I started laughing. Why? Because I just read a text that was left to me by a client who told me that a friend of hers went to her vet. I don't know who it was. I'm not even interested. I mean, I would be embarrassed to be that person and is telling his clients, or at least told this particular client, that she should bring her dogs in for the corona vaccine to protect it from the coronavirus and charge $50 per dog for the shots. So can you imagine, first of all, guys, no, the coronavirus that dogs can get, an intestinal virus, it's almost like a 24-hour stomach flu. It, it is, it, it, personally, I don't recommend the vaccine. For me, vaccines, when it comes to vaccines, less is more. There are certain vaccines that are core that are required. Rabies, for example, in most municipalities required by law. All right. But if you have a dog, an indoor or an indoor cat, let's say an indoor cat, all right, how is it going to get leukemia? Why are you vaccinating an indoor cat against leukemia? Or in California, since it is not, rabies is not required for cats, at least not yet. How is an indoor only cat going to get rabies? I mean, are you inviting rabid animals into your home? When you think about leukemia, prolonged direct contact with leukemia positive cat. Is that going to happen when you're an indoor only cat? I have six cats all indoors. They don't get those shots. Less is more. So Corona, it's a 24-hour intestinal flu virus. You know, they get it better themselves. Why would I waste a vaccine? Waste the potential for a vaccine reaction, right? Waste the load on the immune system for something that they're probably never going to get. In LA, we don't routinely vaccinate for Lyme because they don't get Lyme here. We just don't have it. So when this guy is selling coronavirus, which has nothing to do with COVID-19, corona, I mean, yes, they're both coronaviruses, but there are a lot of viruses that are in the same class of virus. It doesn't make it that they're infectious to others, other species especially. So anyway, beware. And having said that, don't think for a second, if you're trying to waiting for your coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine, don't think that you can use your dog's corona vaccine to help your COVID-19. It's not going to happen. So it feels funny that I have to even 
mention this, but having heard the story I heard and hearing people talk is an expression that I try to live by. And it's, it's, it's why I'm not so crazy about Dr. Google. And that is a little knowledge is dangerous. You're better off having no knowledge. So yes, when you have a little knowledge where you think something, no, you can't think something like this. You got to know it and you can't think it because it's going to get you into trouble. So this is a case where a little knowledge was dangerous. Oh, here's the story I wanted to share with you before the break. And that is that osteosarcoma is a pretty much deadly bone cancer. Once the diagnosis is made, chances are the spread has already happened. So even the treatment of choice, which has been for years, amputation and chemotherapy. Sometimes it's also something called palliative radiation, but the key word there is palliative. It's going to slow it down. It's not going to remove it. You might shrink it a little bit, absolutely, but it's not solving the problem. The best way to get rid of that infectious cancerous bone is to remove the bone, which is amputation. And then the chemo helps again, slow the spread. Will it stop the spread? Not really. So you're lucky to get a dog that lives, I don't know, they say 12 to you know 18 months with both, with nothing three to six months. So it's a terrible disease, which is why, interestingly, just to link this to things that we've talked about in the past, why I am now advocating, and this is Dr. Jeff, talk to your veterinarian. I'm not, I can't play that for other people, but for especially large breed dogs that are prone to bone cancer, I am now recommending neutering at least after a year, preferably 18 months. Why? Because of a study that was done in Rottweilers who also are very prone to osteosarcoma as a large breed. And what they found was a 65% greater incidence in long bone cancer as adults, seniors, if they were pre-puberty neutered. And for females, a 35% increased incidence if they're pre-puberty spayed. So clearly, they're, it, well, this study was done on Rottweilers. Do we just put the blinders on and say, oh, well, I'm sure that nothing like this applies to the other breeds? Heck no. These are large breeds. Any dog that is prone to osteosarcoma, I would think would fall in the same category. So I am extrapolating and now including those in the same class as the Roddy. So obviously, there must be some protective benefit to the sex hormones on developing bone that later on in life, 10 years, eight years down the road, protect that bone from developing cancer. So anyway, there's a new immunotherapy. That was the, I don't know exactly how they're, they're building it, but they're making this, the body itself fight off their own cancer. And I'll leave you before we go to the break with one quick story. One of my mentors in veterinary school, Dr. Barbara Kitchell, she is amazingly bright. She is not only is she board certified in internal medicine, she's also board certified in oncology. And then just for the heck of it, after graduating, double boarded, I mean, really just so knowledgeable, so smart, so nice that she went just for fun to get a PhD from Stanford in comparative oncology. So you think she's qualified? Heck yes. So after she got her PhD, I bumped into her at a conference. I said, Barb, how you doing? Great. I I said, so what would you learn the most? I'm just so curious. She goes, what we learned the most, what I learned the most, she says, is how little we know about cancer. And she said then that the future of cancer treatment is going to be immunotherapy. We can't kill it with drugs. We can't kill it with radiation. What we can do is get the body to kill its own cancer. And that's what they're working on. And that's the studies of the future are going to be immunotherapy. And so far, here's another perfect example where it works. But these dogs, and five of the 10 dogs in the study have made it over two years, which is amazing for osteosarcoma. Anyway, don't go away. We'll be back after these short messages. 
Hi, this is Deborah Lau, president of Carnivore Research International. Did you know that people have used carnivore for their pets successfully for a wide range of immune challenges for many decades? Here are Carnivore Klein sharing their pet's testimonial. Our little dog developed this lymph problem. We took him in for surgery last year. We noticed a lump on his chest that was a lymph node that was swelled up. So the doctor checked it out. And had it analyzed and everything, and uh, but the chemotherapy lasted for six months. He started developing more uh, lymph nodes that were swelled up. So I thought I'd just try carnivore. We started that, and uh, he really responded. The lymph nodes started to go down, swelling did. Then I took him into the vet to have him checked out, and there was no sign of any disease at all inside in the internal organs at all. Call 866-836-8735. That's 866-836-8735 or visit carnivore.com. That's C-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-A.com. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back. Thanks for joining us here on live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. So what I want to talk to you, actually a friend of mine came over to me because his dog was having some issues, uh, just kind of slowing down. And he wanted to bring bring the dog in. And I, of course, I said, of course, uh, what's going on? He says, well, he just he's just you know slow to get up and he still eats, still poops are normal. They have a, another dog, still will get up and play with Emma, the other dog. But Billy's just kind of slowing down. And I said, how is Billy now anyway? He goes, he's, I think, nine. He's a golden retriever. I said, well, you know, I, that's when it hit me that I think regardless of anything in, in any medicine, veterinary medicine, human medicine, it's all about expectation. So if you think that your nine-year-old golden is going to be as active and animated as your five-year-old golden, then that's the wrong expectation. So then you're going to be disappointed when just life slows you down. And I, I said to him, I said, look, I want to we haven't done bloods in a while. I'm going to definitely do a blood test. I want to take some x-rays. And, um, you know, the fact that he will play, then that tells me that he can play, that he will run when he gets up and starts playing with Emma, who's a lot younger. The fact that he wants to lay around more, that's probably just getting old, joints, arthritis, who knows? So of course, I want to check his lab workout, make sure there's nothing, you know, physically wrong. Again, I always look at, I kind of work backwards when it comes to things like this. And that is, if he had something really, really bad, or let's say he had a skeletal problem, whether it's a, a joint disease or cruciate tear, could he, even if he wanted to run and play with Emma when, when, he, when he got that urge? No, he couldn't. The fact that he can tells me that most likely that's off my, well, never off my list. I put that down lower on my list of possibilities. And then he's eating and drinking. Well, if he had something metabolically wrong, liver, kidneys, pancreas, some internal organ, chances are he would not be eating ravenously as he is and having normal BM. 
something else would be awry. Something else would be wrong. So again, I'm not taking it off my list, but I'm putting it lower down. It's already in my mind, just from those two little tidbits of information. I'm expecting to have a dog who's got a pretty normal blood panel and x-rays might be normal except for some arthritis. Because with arthritis, you don't want to get up. It takes you a little longer. You're slowing down a little bit. But you get, when, you, when you warm out of it, you can run and play. So, and I'm thinking of already, I can put him on some an NSAID, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, see how he does, some glucosamine, chondroitin. But I realized there are some things with aging that you just, I, and I wanted to share with you what could happen. So since we started with Billy and his issues, let's talk about arthritis. It's a degenerative joint disease. And there are a lot of problems, even in large breeds, certain growth-related diseases that you may not even know because they don't even rear their ugly head when they're younger. For example, you take certain breeds, the Retrievers, Bernie's Mountain Dog, Rottweilers, we talked about earlier, they get an elbow displayed. Well, any dog could get it, but we see it more commonly in these breeds that is called fragmented coronoid process, FCP. Now, it's often bilateral and it could be very minor. So they go through life. If, you, if they are favoring both front legs the same, you don't notice it. How we often tell a limp is like, you know, when, there's an unevenness in their gait. So when they don't have it, you don't notice it, but they're still, it's not like excruciating pain. But over the years, then they start developing arthritis. And then we take x-rays of an elbow when I see these dogs and I say, oh my God, there is so much arthritis. And then there's something else to know. We see this a lot with hip dysplasia. Yet you can have a dog that has horrendous radiographic evidence of dysplasia and no little to no limping. Conversely, you can have a dog that has very minor changes on x-ray, but is like sore as can be. So not always when it comes to these clinical diseases, do you see a match between clinic and the radiographic or the test results. So again, that's something to keep in mind. So, but that happens. With that, what happens comes muscle mass loss. They're not exercising as much. So they start losing muscle tone along their back, along their spine, along their thighs. Now, with loss of muscle tone, you don't have the strength to do as much as you did. So it sort of creates a vicious cycle. The less you do, the more tone, muscle tone you lose. The more muscle tone you lose, the less you will be able to do. And it's a, it, it's a negative vicious cycle. So it's so important to get these dogs up and moving as much as you can. And that's why it's important if you can make a diagnosis to actually get them on a medication that will help reduce some of that inflammation so they can keep moving, get that muscle tone up. Eye changes. Eyes, basically, dogs get something called lenticular or nuclear sclerosis. People often come in with me to me and they, they want to know, they're afraid their dog is developing cataracts. And you look at the eye and you'll see what you can see is the pupil, instead of it being like a jet black, which it typically is, it's kind of like a bluish grayish tone, a little subtle. And usually it's an age change. It happens at around seven years of age. In fact, you know, when I'm trying to age a dog, we look at the mouth. One of the things I do is look at the eyes because if I see no sclerosis, probably he's not seven yet. And again, as I say always, you know, there's no such thing as absolutes in veterinary med in any medicine. So I wouldn't say never, I don't say always, but it gives you a clue because as I joke, the dog didn't read the book. The dog's not supposed to, doesn't know what it's supposed to show up with. So based on an age. So, so basically it's a, it's a, as the lens capsule, cataracts, true cataracts are within the lens itself. It's a lens, the gelatinous material that makes up the lens. Sclerosis is more of a scarring of the lens capsule. And so therefore, as it gets thicker, it loses its elasticity. And thus, we see that mild opacity where it's not perfectly clear through and through, but it's like old skin. It, it, it gets a little crusty and whitish. So same thing. It's a epithelium. 
by definition, because it is a lens and it is a, a cloudiness, it is considered a pre-cataractous condition. But for lenticular or nuclear sclerosis to actually completely impede vision and to like become a full cataract, the dog, they say, would probably have to live to about 30 or 35, which clearly is not going to happen. So just don't panic. Uh, they may start lose some, uh, you know, you, you get those dogs, the old dogs that they don't recognize you in dark, and when it's dark and they're barking at you until they know it's you, they, they hear your voice or they pick up your scent. So that, that could be from sclerosis. Cancer. Cancer can happen again in, at any age, just like you know how cancer can happen with young kids. But typically, uh, it's the older, middle-aged to older dogs. And interestingly, if a dog hits like super senior, you know, like you say that they've already outlived their cancer threat because when they get cancer, it's usually senior, but it's younger senior. So then you're looking at other organ failures. Same thing with cats with kidney disease. What's left after they've outlived the thyroid threat, they've outlived the cancer threat. Now they're 17, 18 years old. It's going to be kidneys. They say when a cat hits that age, roughly 100%, again, that's just a, not an absolute, but a lot of them, the vast majority will go because of kidney failure. Others, speaking of um, diseases like this, internal diseases, endocrine diseases, we're going to see as cats and dogs age, we start seeing more of their endocrine diseases. We just mentioned cats and hyperthyroidism. That's one. Certainly diabetes, okay, with, with insulin, that happens to dogs and cats. Now that can ha actually happen in the middle ages too. Uh, not... <laughs> Not in the middle ages, it happens now at our ages, but at their, when pets are in that middle age range, uh, they can get diabetes. With dogs, it's usually type one, which is insulin dependent diabetes. With cats, it's usually type two, which is the same as, as in people, it would be the adult onset diabetes associated with obesity. And with the cats, they don't always need insulin. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you can start with insulin and they actually, with oral agents, they can get off the insulin. Dogs pretty much are going to need their insulin. So Cushing's disease, which is an over-secretion of either the adrenal gland itself or the pituitary gland secreting, sending messages to the adrenal gland to secrete. The opposite of that is Addison's disease, where there's not enough secretion. And of course, we mentioned thyroid. So there are just a lot of conditions that are going to happen, which is why when your vet says it would be a good idea as your pets get out. For me, it's usually small breeds around eight years of age and cats, eight years of age, with large breeds at seven, even if they're perfect everything about them is fine. You should still be going in at least once a year for a physical because that's the only way you're going to pick up some of these diseases, which can be silent at the beginning. You have no idea it's going on. They're not acting very much differently at all. And yet things are changing. And as they get really old, uh, we often recommend these tests every six months because you got to remember our pets age much faster than we do. So for us to go in every five years, say for our colonoscopy, for an animal, that's like one year. So your vet is not taking advantage of you. Your vet is staying on top of things because the chances of helping you, helping your pet are greater if one of these or any of these diseases are caught early. And if you catch it too late, by the time they show really, I mean, let's take kidney disease, for example. By the time the cat or dog starts really showing signs of kidney failure, it might be too late. Two thirds or three quarters of their kidney mass is already gone. So that's why it seems to happen overnight because they're hanging in, the kidneys are compensating as much as they can, as much as they can. And then they get to a point where there's just too much damage and they can no longer compensate. And then they get really, really sick. So anyway, that's all we have time for today. If there's any topic that you guys would like me to discuss, to educate you a little bit more, maybe have some fun with, depending on what it is, maybe give you some suggestions that you, and now, especially because with COVID, I know many of you are not getting into your veterinarians as soon and as often as you should. So here on Sunday mornings, you can take advantage 
by speaking with me. I'll help you out as much as I can. Again, I don't have a VCPR with you, which is a veterinary client patient relationship. I cannot prescribe. I cannot make a diagnosis, but I can certainly help lead you in the right direction, give you some suggestions until you get to see your veterinarian. And it's free. So you can't beat free. And uh, for others of you that uh, yeah, can't wait, you can always get me on AirVet. That's our telemedicine platform. You'll be talking to a veterinarian real time, live 24 seven. So uh, that's a great thing too. And pretty soon we're going to have a promotion code. So for, uh, what we call a promo code here on Pet Life Radio to uh, get you some discounts and breaks on using AirVet from Pet Life Radio. So next week I'll be on the slopes. So uh, I will not be seeing you live next week, but you'll be here with a show, a tape show, and um, I'll be back in two weeks. So uh, until then, have a great two weeks, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there who has a Valentine, or if you don't, who would like to have a Valentine. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>